Hello and welcome back to A Couple of Runners. I'm Russell. I'm Rachel. And together... We're A Couple of Runners. Wait. <laughs> so, Rach, what are we going to be discussing in today's episode? Today we are going to be discussing the Valencia Marathon, our experiences of the Valencia Marathon, but also give some recommendations to anyone who is going abroad for a marathon or anyone considering running Valencia in terms of how the course felt and everything. Yeah, perfect. So... Before we get into that, how are you feeling post-marathon? Two weeks two weeks after <laughs> you ran, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good, to be fair. I found, I found like, straight after the marathon, uh, well, to be fair, in the afternoon after the marathon, I picked up quite a cough mm-hmm. um, straight away and then had that kind of for a few days to a week afterwards. But to be fair, cutting back the running and everything helped to recover get through that fairly quickly um probably stopped me from getting back to things a bit too early as well um and now kind of two weeks later I feel ready to kind of get back into more um training having a routine back in place so it's good that I've just started a plan and how long did it take you to go on your first run post marathon oh I can't remember that really (laughs) it's been two weeks yeah I can't remember how long did it take you did an easy run on the Thursday mm-hmm. and then on the Saturday again it was just an easy park run and then I left it until Tuesday this week when I then did another easy run so my first hard session wasn't until this Wednesday so I left it around 10 days until I did any pace and um, my general kind of issue if you like post-marathon is that my heart rate my resting heart rate tends to be quite high and as soon as I do any running I just see my heart rate just hitting like I start going into zone three when I'm doing an easy run Mm. so I'll be in my 150 maybe even 160 beats per minute when I should really be around 130. So do you slow down your run to bring your heart rate down or what do you do about that? Yeah so usually if I'm doing an easy run I'll just go off feel like so I'll know roughly what pace would be my my easy run pace mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to post-marathon yeah I have to slow it right down yeah probably knock off like a minute per kilometer and um, just just to get myself back into it and I know I know to expect that so it's not a case of being harsh on myself or mm. thinking oh well this is a lot slower than I normally do it's like well this is what I need to do to get back to yeah. where I want to be. And as soon as you're harsh, if you if you were harsh on yourself, you then might feel more pressure to push the pace and it's just going to cause an injury potentially or just make you feel run down and that you've not had that recovery time. So that's the more sensible way of doing things anyway. Yeah. I just checked my Strava and I think it took me four days to get back to running. I was doing some cycling and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as I say, like there was no... In previous marathons, I've run like it varied like some straight after some a little bit after but it's just listening to your body isn't it at the end of the day um, 100%. and, and some then t- i was just gonna say because i'd had the week off running and then felt up for trying out a high rocks event on the saturday so it had yes. a pro to do that as well that, that was quite hardcore for you to be fair <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna take it easy oh by the way i'm doing a high rocks event <laughs> Well, I guess this episode's not about um, us talking about our recover, just our recovery of Valencia. We're talking about the marathon itself, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I just think it's important for people to hear because yeah, sometimes people feel the pressure of trying to get back to where they were in terms of the mileage or the paces. But, you know, even if your legs feel good and, and ours actually felt quite all right, didn't they? Within yeah. a couple of days, but. But it's just important, I think, to to make sure you do give your body that time to reset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find, like like you say, with in terms of the body side of things, we felt fairly okay mus- muscular-wise and everything. And I said about having an illness. But I always find that after a marathon, it's more mentally that I feel different. Like, sometimes, even after a long run, sometimes the day after, I can feel a bit, like, flat. And I'm not used to that because I usually, like, I don't know, it's just... There's no reason for it, I think, because my body's been through a tough workout in a long run or a marathon. It just feels that way the next day. Yeah, it's been through a lot at the end of the day, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you've probably, you've been training for 16 weeks or however long your training block is. And you've been focused on this one event and performing on this day. And then once that's over, it's like, it's almost like, oh, what's next now? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think there was that element of it for this one. I think for this one, it was more like during the training block, it was, it's been tough because of, I just find like winter training harder, but I'm glad that we did it because it's, it's kind of kept us with a bit of a plan during these months. Um, but when I'd finished the marathon, I don't, I didn't mourn the training. I was quite ready to have like a few weeks of just doing what I wanted, what I fancied, whatever workout that might be or recovery that might be. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. So Did you mourn it then? I didn't, didn't because I really enjoyed the training. So yeah. just like you, like there's some runs where, you know, you are feeling tired. It's dark, it's cold, it's wet. You know, we've done a podcast on winter <laughs> training. So listen to that. But That was a good plug-in. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, you do get into this routine, you do get into this rhythm yeah. and then suddenly that rhythm and routine yeah, is yeah, gone. Yeah. So it's almost like, oh, what am I going to do this week almost? <laughs> but like you say, we found other things to do. You did a high rocks competition, <laughs> played a lot of badminton, didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah. Quite a lot of cycling and stuff. Had a chance to go and watch my nephew play football. So Aww. yeah, no, it was cool. It was good. It was good. Um, so yeah, in terms of the Valencia Marathon, we're going to talk about our own races later on in the episode but let's start off and talk about Valencia itself so what did you think of the overall Valencia experience um to be honest I think it was great logistics wise and everything but that's all down to the planning that you did ahead of it um Mm -hmm. because obviously you booked quite a lot well you booked the whole thing didn't you um and I think it just worked out well we had to get accommodation quite far out from the city didn't we but it actually, the transport in Valencia was so cheap. It was so easy to get around, wasn't it? Um, and it meant that um, when you think of the race day logistics, they didn't feel too messy, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite a small city, Valencia, isn't it? It's yeah. similar size to Manchester. So in terms of getting around, there's very good public transport with the metro. So that made it nice and easy. I'd say there's probably two ways to do Valencia. I'd say the first way of doing Valencia would be to fly in the day before. Um, the expo's not far from the airport, so people have an opportunity, I think, to just fly in, go straight to the expo, maybe book a hotel near the near the hotel, near the expo, and then take the metro into the race on the morning of the race. Yeah. Or do what we did, where... We decided we were going to go for five nights in the end, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And we ended up staying quite far, like like you say, Rach, quite far from the city centre. We stayed in a satellite town called Alphafar, which we had to get the train to, like, to and from Valencia. But it was only one stop away. Train was nice and cheap, and it wasn't too difficult to do. Mm-hmm. It just meant the accommodation cost was a lot lower. And there was a sport shop next door. Because we both went out for a run and then I got back and you came in with a new pair of trainers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's never a good thing when the first <laughs> thing I, I do when I step out of the hotel, I see a pair of <laughs> Invincible 2s sat there for, for 90 euros. So yeah, uh, l- less said about my spending, the better. But <laughs> from a point of view of the race, the accommodation really worked for us because yeah. we... It was a 10-minute taxi ride to the start line. Which was really cheap, that taxi, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So it's like 12 euros, wasn't mm. it? Something like that. And um, we had... It was a part hotel. So we had our own kitchen there. Mm-hmm. Which came in handy because they don't... If you're vegetarian or vegan, just watch out because the restaurants don't really cater for that. Because we had this idea in mind, didn't we, the night before, like on the day before, at lunchtime, to get like kind of an Italian buffet type thing, which in hindsight probably was the best thing to not have gone to plan because you never know with a buffet but like we walked in and we were like do you have any vegan options they kind of just laughed at us and we thought we were joking (laughs) so um and then we went to like loads of different restaurants and nowhere had anything that was suitable for us so we ended up just going to the Lidl nearby and getting pasta um but I would I would say though like for us obviously we have our own nutritional requirements yeah being vegan vegetarian but I think generally speaking, you hear it a lot where people, they'll go out the day before 
have something that sets the tummy off yeah and then have a, a bit of a bad race because of it yeah so i think having your own kitchen and being able to take control about 100 yeah i think that that's a big thing yeah i definitely say we should do that in future races abroad as well and i also liked having a few extra days ahead of like the actual race itself i find like you know when we did amsterdam and we flew in like the day before mm. we had to like scramble to the expo and then like expos can feel quite overwhelming sometimes anyway because there's so many people there and there's like you're already like trying to think of carb loading and what you're eating and resting like not walking around too much the day before and you're trying to go around an expo it just i just find like it made it so stressful whereas going for more days when we could go to the expo earlier and then the day before it just felt so chilled like yeah. what were your thoughts on the expo the expo was decent i got a good uh, well like the night vest top that i got was really cheap yeah in terms of finding a good deal and you got some arm, sli arm sleeves didn't you which were a decent price i forgot about those could have worn them today on my run <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have any arm sleeves because the others were in the wash <laughs> but anyway yeah i got some arm sleeves <laughs> Diddums. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's a small expo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's nothing and compared to like London expo, or Boston. Yeah, but don't you find expos are just so overcharged? Like, if you want to get any race gear, like you know, like merchandise, you're paying mm. like at least ninety. Like the official, yeah, race gear, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was. There were nice tops, though. It was New Balance, wasn't it? So similar to London. Yeah. But again, like, I find New Balance quite a reasonably priced brand. So if I was going on their website buying non-race branded stuff, I'd pay a lot less than if it's printed with Valencia Marathon 2023. <laughs> so it's like, do I value it enough to buy it, to spend that extra... Yeah. 30 euros not really especially when you get a with like a t-shirt anyway yeah the t-shirts were nice as well weren't really they? good quality to be fair um and they had some good stands there like advertising different marathons and stuff they all tended to be either the same day as london though or a week <laughs> yeah. either side so yeah. that wasn't the best timing yeah that was that was good and then there was like a few brands such as um ron hill was there wasn't it yeah yeah and then they were given some freebies, weren't they? <laughs> Little hats. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got loads of like free merch, didn't yeah, we? But they were like, wasn't it like an energy company? It's not like actual merch. I mean, we still appreciate it, but <laughs> yeah. can, you, can you give us free like sports gear next time, please? <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, yeah, the expo okay. was, yeah, it was low it, key, it, wasn't it? It was fairly easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. Again, it was just Metro, wasn't it? Like yeah. the Metro is very easy to use in Valencia. Yeah. So yeah, no. Don't you you know? Do you, do you find that when you go to expos and they're giving you your bib and they're scanning it in with their scanners, mm. do you ever like worry that they've not scanned it? Like, do you really look at their little machine to just like make sure that they've scanned your bib in? Their little machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look at you with your little machine. <laughs> I, no, seriously though, because imagine if you get your little bib, your little <laughs> everything's bib. little, and you're like running around and you're thinking, oh, everyone's tracking me, and I'm gonna get to the finish <laughs> and get a qualifying time for this, this or whatever. And it's not actually worked. I don't know. They've got a lot of responsibility with their little machines. Yeah, yeah. With little machines comes great responsibility. That's what they say, <laughs> isn't it? They're the heroes. They're our heroes. So, yeah. I mean, with, with the expo, it was open two days before as well. So, yeah. Friday, Saturday. So, it gives people plenty of time to get there. And I think it's open quite late as well, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, in terms of accessibility, flights over there are cheap. Expo's right next to the airport. If you want to go there and stay in the center then the the hotels are quite expensive so you know i would only go in the day before and get out the day after if budget's a big consideration for you mm -hmm. or do what we did and stay outside of the city and mm -hmm. um, in terms of the race day organization so you had um yeah so we got there at seven didn't we yeah first wave started at eight fifteen. yeah that was you that was me. On your way? Yeah, right behind the... Oh, it was so cool hearing them, like, call out Bekele, hearing them call out <laughs> Joshua Chetagai. Do you know what you should have done? You should have ran forwards <laughs> and, like, claimed Started to be one of the names. waving to everyone. <laughs> 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 everyone looking like, who's this guy? Hola! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was. It was. It was a really good experience. That because we'd heard a lot of stuff from people who had done it in previous years, saying that the toilet situation wasn't great, and um, saying that you need to to get there with plenty of time. But I mean, my experience, it seemed they seemed to have have either improved it. Or because we got there early, we didn't really experience See, that. I experienced it, to be fair. Mm. Um, because we got there early, there weren't any toilet queues. Do you remember when you said to that guy in Spanish, there's, <laughs> there's no toilet roll in here in Spanish, and then he just waltzed in and he turned to his girlfriend and goes, in English, there's no toilet paper in here. <laughs> he looked very Spanish. As much as you can look Spanish, he looked Spanish. <laughs> But yeah, I thought, so the queues at the start, they weren't too bad because we were there early. But then when I was, it wasn't that clear where to go for your starting pen, you mm. know, to start with. And I was queuing up for, it must have been like 30, 40 minutes. I was racing at 8.35 and I think I had I'd planned in my head that if I wasn't on the toilet by 8.25, maybe 8.20, then I'd leave it and I'd just made it in time. And then I had to get to my wave and then find, so I went like like going through the crowd all the way to the front of the um, wave to try and find the paces to find out they weren't actually in the crowd anyway. They were just stood like a little further in front at the start line. Um, so I actually had quite a chaotic start to be fair, but it sounds like for you elite lot, that it was all okay. <laughs> you and Bekele. Yeah, because the way that they they have the wave set up is that you start off, or the, the start line is on the bridge that goes over the park where the city of modern arts is there and the finish line. So you, you, you go over the bridge and that's, that's the start line. And everyone lines up in their wave order behind that bridge, right? Yeah. So you have the elites and then you know, right at the back, you have the, the later waves. So I was okay in terms of, I was like two streets over, but then you were having to kind of work out mm. which street you should be going down, didn't you? So yeah. I suppose that, that makes it a bit harder. Yeah. But over, overall, it was okay. yeah, it was compared to, I mean, I'm trying to think. So you've done London. Obviously in London, you have different pens, don't you, that you go to and then you get called forward yeah i think london london was probably i think london was probably better organized in terms of like you it was easier to get to your start wave yeah it, it wasn't actually i didn't find it that clear but maybe because i was nervous maybe i didn't have my wits about me in the same anyway other people might have found it like quite clear <laughs> my wits about me <laughs> yeah sorry that, i was just smiling about you not having your wits about you <laughs> even mean <laughs> well if you compare it so you've got like london and then you've got boston where you have to get a bus that took you all all the way 26 miles down the road um, and then seville where the bag drop off was at the side of the start line but mm. then we had to one we didn't realize but we had to once we dropped our bags off like basically vomit out like probably about half a kilometer half a mile or something to then go around the corner and basically do a U-turn, mm, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Had to run yeah. all the way out to run all the way back. Yeah. And they didn't actually keep the wave separate. So I, at one point, I like bent down to tie my shoelace because I got really paranoid <laughs> that my shoe was too loose. And I just do that to be fair on the start line. Yeah, yeah. And as I was doing that, I think two waves just like passed me. <laughs> so yeah, Seville. See you, loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Valencia... To be fair to them, like they kept the waves yeah, more no. separate. I'd and, probably be a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mean it. Your your main gripe was with the pacing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I think in terms of the organize is there anything else you want to say about the organization side of Valencia? Uh no, I think you've pretty much covered it all organization wise. The goodie bag at the end was good, but I guess yeah. we might get on to that later <laughs> i don't know spoiler alert but we, we got the goodie bags before we did oh, it didn't we? we got little goodie bags we did but we got them at the expo the goodie bags didn't we so <laughs> we ended up getting um a couple of cereal bars and drinks at the end didn't we yeah but we got the majority before the race like we got a little vaseline sachet yeah we got some alcohol-free beer we got some water we got some I can't remember what else we got. No, I just remember thinking it was good, but obviously I can't, I can't remember it now. So maybe it wasn't as good as I remembered. 
I mean, I think it was more like the fact that they'd thought of like things that people might need, you know, like Vaseline. They'd thought of like, if you're traveling, you might not have the liquid allowance, especially if you've crammed beat it into your, like yeah. beat into your luggage and stuff. So that was the downside of us going out a few days early. Cause yeah, yeah when it came to, we only took hand luggage and my liquid allowance was full of beat it shots and gels. I can only take five gels. I would have liked to have taken one more just in case, mm. but I just couldn't fit any more in my bag. <laughs> so we had to buy toothpaste out there and, and other toiletries. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. Organization wise, it was pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. Would you recommend, would you <clears throat> recommend Valencia to people? Yeah, I would. Yeah, for sure. Um, based on the organization, based on the race course itself, Valencia is a place, logistics, like getting there and getting back to, in, well, get, um, what did you think to the race itself then? What would be kind of like reflection on that? So in terms the of course. the course, yeah. So we actually went online, we went on to Garmin and we found like preloaded courses that people had already uploaded there. Yeah. And I think the elevation gain was something like 150 meters, 170 meters was showing up and we were like, well, I thought this was supposed to be flat. <laughs> um, and then when we did it, like my my Strava showed about 40 meters elevation and I can't remember one single hill. Yeah, it does feel pretty flat, it's doesn't it? ridiculously flat. And like we go scouting, well, I at least go scouting <laughs> for like the flattest courses because I want to get the fastest time. So Manchester's quite renowned as being flat. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a few hills in Altrincham. You go over Metro Bridges. At Amsterdam, there's at least one bridge that goes yeah. over the canal. And then you've also got like a um, like a, a long gradual gradient that goes through an industrial That's estate. That's right at the end as well, isn't it? Well, yeah. mid to end. Yeah about, 20, yeah, about 20 miles in. Yeah. And then Seville, I, I remember going underneath. So you go on a motorway, don't you? You go down and then you come back up on the other side. I think I've blocked out Seville from my memory. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't Too traumatic. Race for me. Yeah. But Valencia, yeah, pancake flat. Yeah. I just cannot remember a single time where I thought to myself, oh, there's a bit of a hill here. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of that, fantastic. Very fast. In terms of things to see along the way, in theory, there's loads of great things that you go past. So you go through the old town um, you go past the railway station, you go past mm. the bull ring. Yeah. Um, even the garden itself, um, I think it's Jardin del Toria, I think it's called, <laughs> which is the old uh, riverbed. You're showing off your Spanish to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, that that was my Valencian, which isn't as good as my Spanish. <laughs> and then you've got the Ciudad de Sartes, um, or Ciencias. <laughs> there it is, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like where you finish, the finish is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, the finish is amazing, to be fair. Yeah, because you go over all that blue, flat floor, don't yeah. you? Go, you go down a ramp and yeah. then you're running over over the water that's been covered yeah, up. Yeah, it's so. really cool, to be fair. It's and the, the, just the buildings around are beautiful. Like, yeah. In terms of the finish line, yeah, we've skipped forward to the finish line, but that's definitely one of the highlights for the course itself. I just don't, I, in th this is what I mean, in theory, the course is beautiful, but I don't remember taking no, any of it in. Neither. I think because I set out with the pacing group, um, which might I add was going way too fast for the pace we should have been going for, um, which kind of changed the race for me. But anyway, I'll get onto that. Um, you're just surrounded by loads of people, so you actually can't see around. And and then like even when you get to um, like fuel and hydration stations, like hydration station, <laughs> you're just focused on trying to like get your water or whatever without like tripping over someone. So you still can't look around when it starts spacing around out and stuff. Um, but I guess it depends how you rate, you run your marathon. Like if you're not with a pacing group, maybe you look around more. If you're not going, uh, if you'd taken it more chilled, you might have more time to take in the sites. And I think Valencia is good because it's a PB course. It's flat, but it could also be a good race to do chilled because it is a beautiful course, yeah. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we walked around the city, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a spectacular place. Cool. So, I mean, you you started talking a little bit about the paces. So let's talk about our races in particular. So tell us about your race, Rach. So going into the race, what what was your plan? Um, <laughs> so I obviously wanted a PB. I was a bit unsure really how it would go because 
I did Seville in February, but obviously, it, well, not obviously, basically, um, in hindsight, I shouldn't have done it. I wasn't back from injury and it actually caused more problems really than it, it solved. Um, and so I just, I had to rehab all of that and all, go through like, kind of my running took a bit of a hit and having to get back to fitness and then you missed the London training. Marathon Championship as well yeah yeah which was I was gutted for but in the long run pardon the pun I knew it would be worth it um and so going into it I was really unsure as to kind of what level like what pace to do and what to go for but I decided that I was going to cling on to the sub three pacer and just see how far I could go and then because I think it's just on we worked out didn't we that it was kind of potentially obviously not to get into the science and stuff but it might have been just on the cusp wasn't it yeah of threshold yeah um and so it could be doable if I was just it would have to be the perfect day wouldn't it It'd have yeah. to be the perfect conditions and for that's you. not saying that I would get a sub three it's just that the pace didn't it didn't it wouldn't have seemed too fast to have given me a bit of a head start um, yeah. to then cling on and try and get, you know, like a 303 or a 304 or whatever, 305, 306, blah, blah, blah. But the sub three paces, they shot out. And it's one of them where you're like, oh, maybe my GPS is out, so I'll just stick with them. And it feels comfortable because you've tapered, like relatively comfortable. You've tapered, your legs are feeling fresher than during your training blocks. I'm like, oh, no, I think it's it can sustain this. Yeah, exactly. And then like, it just felt, you know, Usually, like usually, when I've done a marathon, I'll get to further along, like maybe eighteen to twenty miles, where I might start thinking, okay, I've really got to like grind now. We're talking like around half marathon, if not just before. I was thinking, oh my god, I need to get to the finish, <laughs> and I was like, this isn't great, but it did. I did want to try and practice some sports psychology in that race, and it did give me the opportunity to do that because my body was so knackered. I think um that's not blaming the paces you know I could have pulled back etc etc um but it did mean that I could use my mindset a lot more to just be like keep going keep trying like you know yeah do what? the best you can with what you've got basically yeah so what what were they the techniques you were using then when you talk about using psychological techniques? yeah yeah so I was using imagery I was using kind of distractions I was trying to like not let myself think like, uh, like, oh, what have you done? You've gone out way too fast. Like none of that. Just kind of thinking like, you're strong. You've got this. Like keep going. Mm-hmm. You're doing great. Kind of them kind of things. Um, and a few other strategies, but I won't go into them because they'll take up the whole episode. Um, and then it kind of got towards the end um, and you could see the finish line. Oh my God, that blue mat. It, I felt like once I'd seen that, it'd literally be like, I'd be by, at the finish line like that. Yeah. But I felt like I kept going, it felt like it was moving further and further away. It was like a blue treadmill, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I think you hit it about, was it 900 meters? Yeah, and then it has the countdown, which I didn't personally like. It was like 900, 800, 700. I was like, you're making it feel slower yeah. for me. <laughs> and it's really weird, that part, because it really narrows, doesn't it? And the crowds are just like there it's yeah just, I it's thought it was intense. really cool yeah, yeah I really liked that um so yeah to conclude like it was it was it was tough it was definitely one of the the toughest marathons I've done in terms of how it felt during it but I am pleased with the outcome and it's definitely given me a lot more of a like confidence boost to continue another training block for next year um which is great yeah, so you ended up with 3.06, which is yeah. a three-minute PB. Yeah. So, I mean, you said it felt tougher than other races you've done before, but you've never actually ran that fast before. Yeah, especially at the beginning. I've never ran that fast in marathon <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> Probably not in the 5K <laughs> Not my either. level yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And it means that I can use that now to try and get a London champ. Like it's a, for London championship, you need 3.13 sub 314 mm-hmm. um so they're reviewing that now to see if i can do uh, and it, yeah should be should be approved yeah. um because i've got the time um for london championships next year which apparently is meant to be a really good experience so yeah it's a race that's given me a lot of things going forwards and what in terms of your pre-race planning what do you feel went well in terms of your race execution um probably the mental strategies went well 
Um, I think the conversations we had about form was really yep. helpful. Uh, running form because when it started to get tiring I was trying to focus on that rather than like focusing on you know how tired I felt or the mistakes I'd made blah 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 um nutrition went well that went to plan pretty much I did get some stomach distress kind of around 20 21 miles but I'd practiced like I'd done like um uh like imagery script and in as part of that I'd include like where you kind of rehearse what what your race would be like and as part of that I'd included stomach pains because I do often get them towards the end of a marathon um sometimes anyway and so I felt like when it was happening it wasn't the end of the world I was just like you you, you will run through this because that was part of the script yeah and you had your first you had caffeine for the first time in yeah, a race yeah, as well, didn't you? well and you don't actually drink caffeine apart from tea do you so. yeah yeah no that went well um do you feel it gave you a boost it's hard to say, isn't it? Because mm. it's late on in the race anyway, and you don't know. It's hard to say what contributes to what. It's like the beetroot juice we had before. Yeah. I don't know if that was beneficial or not, because I'm thinking, well, I couldn't maintain the pace, but that's because I went out too quick. Yeah. So it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah. And what do you what are you going to do different in your next race, in your next marathon? I'm going to find a pacer <laughs> I can trust. <laughs> and... Um, no, and also it's not the pace's fault at all. Just like, just remind myself that it's my race, and if mm-hmm. you know, not to focus on what the like. It's not the be all and end all. If the paces aren't, you know, they would have done that pace, and it would have been really helpful for some people who could have sustained that, and then it given them a little bit banked for the second half. Um, but for me, I should have ran my own race rather than like trying to like stick to the paces, like stubbornly if that makes sense yeah yeah especially if someone was swearing at me in the pack you know oh who was that now i remember she you was saying. just saying like because you know sometimes when there's so many people we hit um arms like, like it was i obviously didn't do it on purpose we just like was in a close pack and she like swore at me i won't repeat it on the podcast um and i was <laughs> just a a bit, like I just like sighed because I was just like I don't want to sh- like I don't want to argue. Yeah, I don't yeah. want her to think that like I'm <laughs> taking responsibility for it because it was just a clash of elbows. So how did you sigh? Did you go like? Oh. <laughs> I just like really it's like. <sighs> oh, so that was like an annoyed on. sigh. Yeah, but it wasn't like I wasn't provoking anything. It could have like she could have taken it how she like she might have just thought that I was struggling at the pace, which <laughs> was the truth. <laughs> Later on, anyway. <laughs> if you turn around, <laughs> what are you are in at? Oh, the paces going <laughs> yeah. too quick, aren't they? <laughs> Nothing against you. <laughs> yeah. Now, cool. That so happens. next time, yeah, run your own race. Yeah. Use the paces as a kind of barometer to, yeah, roughly where you want to be. But at the same time, yeah, trust yourself when it comes down to, to the pacing. Yeah, yeah. And I think in training, I need to practice taking on more nutrition, like mm-hmm. in quicker succession. Because um, then, yeah, if you can keep really fueled, I think that will help in a marathon, especially. So, yeah, I'll probably do that more on long runs mm-hmm. going forwards. What about you? Tell us about your race. Just waiting for you to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, so in, yeah, in terms of my race, I so, as you know, Rach, I was going for a sub two forty. You know, I wanted to get London Championship. I'd just, the Monday beforehand, I'd been accepted for the Good for Age. So I was successful in that application. Mm-hmm. And so my place at London 2024 was already guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But I was hoping to get that upgraded to a championship entry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in terms of pre-race, just like you said there, we were, t- we were both taking the beat it shots in anticipation for the race. Um, I do feel that they they worked for me in the Manchester half. And I also think they worked for me in this race. Yeah, in what way? Like, how can you liken the way you were feeling to the beaters? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know that you improve, you get faster, your heart rate zones and your pace zones do, do increase, or your, your pace zones increase in line with your heart rate. So... As 
yeah, physiologically, I'm probably fitter now than I was in previous races. Yeah. But at the same time, I was able to do paces that I, I don't think I would normally do in training. Like in training, I'd find them tough paces to do. And I think they'd probably be in higher zones for me. I think it was probably in what I would call like a VO2 max pace mm. at one at one point. But because of that, the, the extra nitrate, it felt okay. It felt sustainable. I was able mm. to do that pace and it didn't take anything out of me at the time. Mm. So I do think that, I do think that beat it is something that I want to keep going. Yeah. But yeah. I so- find it, sorry, just a quick one with the beat. I find it really funny. Like when we take beat it, cause then when you smile, you got like red stuff in your teeth, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You look like <laughs> you're a vampire or something, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Continue. But yeah. So f- for me, the first couple of kilometers, it was a bit hectic on that start line because mm-hmm. in my group, there was people who supposedly were, were going for similar times to me. But as soon as we set off, I think for the first two kilometers, I was doing probably about sub three pace, which, you know, people who are doing sub three should have been two waves behind my wave. So yeah. the pace, it was very slow to start with. And I've learned from previous races that, the more you kind of try and jump up on curbs and force your way around people, mm. the more tired you tend to be later yeah. on in the race. So I avoided doing that and I just kind of stayed behind this massive wall of people. At the same time, I was looking at my watch thinking, I'm already 40 seconds behind the the pace I'm supposed to be at, mm. which made it, I start even in the first couple of kilometers, I was thinking to myself like, do you know what? It's okay if you don't do sub 240. So I was kind of being being kind on myself. Yeah. Thinking, well, it's not in my control this section. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know how useful that was. Yeah. I don't know I if know. Yeah, I don't know if me being relaxed at that stage because I think that the more tense you are and the more you worry about things, uh, the less flow comes naturally. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that was useful or not, kind of almost writing it off in those first couple of kilometers. But as as the pack started disintegrating a little bit and people started peeling off and, you know, falling mm-hmm. back and stuff, um, I noticed Ben Parks running to, to my left and I knew that he was going for championship time. And he's a YouTuber, right? Yeah, yeah, Ben Parks. Everyone knows Ben Parks, Rachel. If you <laughs> listen to a couple of runners, then they know Ben Parks. So <laughs> I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to like work with him so I worked my way over to where he was and just as I pulled up next to him he darted off into a bush <laughs> like for a piss and nearly followed him um, <laughs> what are we doing here man <laughs> <laughs> I just wait for you <laughs> are we pausing our watches um, so yeah so I, I just carried on and then he came up and joined the group that I was in so I feel that we we worked off each other for up until about the 20k mark and then at 20k he grabbed some water which i thought would slow him down i grabbed some water and then he just jetted off and that was last i saw of him and i ended up going through 21k bang on pace but i was starting to feel that you know this to repeat this time again from start to finish Mm. is going to be tough basically yeah um and yeah, I, it actually felt quite quite comfortable up until like the 32K mark. Mm-hmm. Even at 30K, I did my two fastest kilometers of the race and without realizing. So it's just like going with, decent, going that. off feel. Yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, this feels good. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to be able to keep this up for another 10K. <laughs> I'm well on, on for it here. And then... Yeah, everything started feeling that much harder. Mm. Everything, my, my stride started shortening up. My turnover started slowing. And yeah, the last, I think from 36K, 37K until the end, there was like a marked drop off of my, my performance. Mm. And yeah, I don't remember any of that in terms of the scenery. I remember a guy just completely just decking it right in front of me in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. His legs must one leg must have given way, and he just like fell, I nearly fell over him. It was in that moment where it was like you know you think of like Matt Reese when he um, stops his race near the finish line. Yeah, to help the other runner. Yeah, yeah. I, that came in some head. I was like maybe you should help him, but then at the same time, 
I feel really bad that I did it. But there was someone else, there was someone watching the race nearby and I thought, at least it's in good hands. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those, like... And, like, you would have been at a point where you were near the end of a marathon, so how straight would you be able to think anyway? Whereas... Exactly. Exactly. The, the spectators would have been able to help them. So you're good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Um, yeah, but that that last, that, yeah, they, they, it was hard. It was hard, but I'm happy with the fact that I didn't stop because in Valencia, when things started getting hard. In Valencia? In Seville. <laughs> thank you, Rach. In Seville, when things started getting hard, I stopped. I gave myself a break thinking, oh, if I stop here, stretch mm. it off a little bit and then go again, then that's going to help me and ended up yeah not getting anywhere near my time yeah so i ended in 243 which is for me it's a 10 minute pb it's an incredible time a great pb yeah no i'm very happy with it yeah 10 and a half minute pb it means that i've now qualified for the berlin marathon mm-hmm. i've got the qualification time for that which i'm very happy with i'm i'm in london either way so it's not massively affecting my planning for for next year as well and yeah, just really happy with the fact that I dug in, I've got the race completed and there's definitely things that I'm able to take from this race and work on for London as well. So I'm quite excited about what, what I can do in London. That's what I loved actually at the end of the race, like <clears throat> how proud like how proud you were of it and how pleased mm. you were with the time, even though you'd been very clear that your goal time was this sub 240, yet you're still able to kind of reflect and not be self-critical on yourself as I didn't get to sub 240 because that was a massive stretch goal and anyway yeah you know and and I think you'll be getting that in no time I mean what's your plan now is that your next goal or are you keeping your next goal under wraps or I I always think that I'm now closer to my goal yeah so before before I was a 253 runner now I'm a 243 runner yeah so why wouldn't I be pleased with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I know I'm going to get there. I know I'm going to get to that goal eventually. It's just not now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's how I feel about that. And then in terms of my goal for London, I'm already thinking about 2.35. Yeah. You know, why not? Set the bar high. And then if, you, if you're aiming for it, you're going to put the effort into training to get this great pb etc and you're more likely to then get closer to it if not get the goal right so yeah exactly before i was aiming for a 14 minute pb yeah and now i'm only aiming for an eight minute pb yeah right so why is that not achievable yeah so yeah there's there's loads of things that i'm going to take from this training block that i've already put in and then there's things that i'm going to add to my london training block which I think are help, going to help get me that time. What do you think, like, from this training block, what do you think has helped the most to get that 10-minute PB? Because you're running times which are incredibly fast, and when you're running incredibly fast times, it's harder to make such big PBs, right? So how did you manage that? Yeah, so big changes for me work, working with James. James Moles, my coach, um, mm-hmm. was adding in double days on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays, I'll do two sessions. I'll do a morning session, which will be like track reps. And then in the evening, it would be um, like tempo effort, like mm-hmm. threshold effort. So I think that was a big thing because it meant that I was doing twice as much speed work there. And then adding in, basically adding in steady runs. So I do a steady long run on a Thursday. And then on a weekend when I'm doing a long run, Again, you know, I do steady pace in there. Yeah. Might do some efforts at marathon pace mm-hmm. and just making the long runs more of a workout than before when they tended to be quite easy runs. Yeah. So. Did you think of yourself as Jakob Ingebrigtsen in the race? I did, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely did. <laughs> Jakob meets Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Jakob on my next race, bib. No, you're not. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> But yeah, um, very happy. You could get a t-shirt that says, running for Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> could do, could do. <laughs> yeah, probably thinks I'm a right weirdo if he ever hears this. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, the, in, in, those training sessions as well where I was <laughs> picturing myself 
as Jakob are pitching Jakob running and mm. trying to run like that. I do think those uh, those sessions helped. And even in the marathon itself, you know, like you say, I was thinking of like him, I was thinking of Kelvin Kipton, I was thinking of Kipchoge mm. um, and just like pitching how they run and, yeah. you know, feeling how how I was running essentially and, and trying to recreate that. So I think, mm. I think that really helped. Um, and something we haven't really touched on, but I thought the crowd was awesome in Valencia. Yeah. In the f- the first, say, quarter, it was quite quiet. But then, yeah, soon after that, it soon filled up. And I, something I've not necessarily done in the past was trying to, like, pump the crowd up. So, like, I went past these, these uh, school kids with the banners and I was, like, you know, like, waving to them and getting them to, to raise the volume <laughs> sort of thing. And no, I think that I think that really helped. Like again, like talking about different strategies, like using the crowd, you know, getting energy from them. Yeah, yeah. I've heard Nick Bester talk about it, Philly talk about it, I think. And Anya definitely. So yeah, yeah. Th- these different kind of strategies. Yeah, no, it was definitely a good crowd. I mean, compared to other marathons like Boston Marathon, the first half is so quiet compared mm. to other marathons. I still think London's crowds are incredible. So I'm excited for you to experience that next year. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to add? About the race? Yeah, about the race, about your training, about um, your next plans. I'd probably say, to be fair, something that I, w- I would change is I was quite critical of myself after the race. Like, I got a PB and I got a 306, but I was a bit like, I should have gone faster. And I do think that that's something that I need Didn't to work on. Didn't you go too on. fast? too soon (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah i feel like i mean do you know what it's a blessing and a curse because it's what keeps you coming back isn't it if you're not completely satisfied um and i do hope that next time i'll get even more of a pb because i've got like so many ideas for my next block i mean working with you as my coach as well as it's already helping while we do this speed block so i'm really excited to see how that goes um and i did it made me reflect actually on how um just getting a pb however big or small it is is actually really incredible because in february when i did seville i wasn't able to pb because i was like pretty much i was probably i was still injured when i was doing it and i didn't really realize at the time how serious the injury was so to to compare the feeling after this race to seville i should have really been like reveling in having a pb a lot more and that's not to say i was like really down about it it's just that sometimes i was saying wasn't i like Oh, I don't know if it's like good enough though. Um, so yeah, I'm going to work on that for next time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's really important no matter what to celebrate yourself. Yeah, after yeah, for doing, sure. You know, no matter what time, you know, whether you're happy with your time, not happy with your time, you know, celebrate the effort that you put in. Yeah. Celebrate the fact that, you know, you, not even just the effort on the day, but, you know, you've put in this training block for 16 weeks. Yeah. You work really hard on it. And like also like, the thing I'm most proud of from that training block really is like coming back from the injury and like getting used, you know, like getting through the phase of like being slower than I was before and having to get all my times back to where they were and then to kind of keep pushing and, and getting a bit more of like my sporting identity back mm-hmm. um, during that. Cause yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest. Um, and yeah, there's plenty of time for PBs going forwards and, Plenty of time. You've you've got a PB. <laughs> you've already got yeah. one. <laughs> Don't talk as though like you missed out on it. No, I'd say I think I think your achievement was brilliant, and mm. I do think you should be more proud of yourself for what you've done. I am now. I think part of it as well is when you've just run a marathon, I think you just a bit all over. Your emotions have you've been on an emotional roller coaster, let alone like a, like your body's been through so much as well. So it's easy to kind of get them little gremlins in your head, which are like. Oh, but if you did this, maybe you'd have run this time or, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's all learning at the end of the day. That's it, definitely. And when, when those thoughts do come in your head, like, you know, if you'd done this, then you could have got that time. Yeah. You know, for me, that's just something that next time yeah, exactly. I'll do this. Exactly. It's, it's good to have time. them thoughts as well, isn't it? Because yeah, it's exactly. like, it's reflecting. If you run a marathon and you don't reflect on what went well, but also what didn't go so well, that's the important stuff sometimes you learn more from your mistakes don't you yeah and that's not you know like i said i'm talking as if i didn't pb or anything <laughs> um 
but, yeah, just getting a balanced perspective afterwards, 100% is helpful going forwards. Yeah, and sometimes I don't even think it's mistakes. So from mm. my point of view, I finished that race. I was really proud about how it went, really happy with my time. And then immediately I'm thinking, right, okay, well, what I want to do is I want to train my gut so next time I can uh-huh. have an extra gel, yeah, which yeah, yeah. will help me yeah, towards exactly. the end. Um, I want to make sure that I'm doing more uh, weight sessions and plyometrics. Mm-hmm. James would love to hear that <laughs> <laughs> because that's going to help in those latter stages. Yeah, I didn't do them for, or I did some for this race, but I can't shoot my, I can't not shoot myself in the foot, but yeah, I can't be on my own back for, for not having done them. No, I yeah. just know I can do it next time. Yeah. And in the race, the decisions you made, you made them decisions with good good reason yeah yeah um at the time of what you had so yeah definitely yeah. next time i'll follow ben parks into that bush <laughs> <laughs> please don't <laughs> <laughs> right. so um yeah i think that that's our full recap on valencia we had a part where we spoke um about the actual race itself a little bit about the city it was hardly michael palin but it Who's was good michael enough palin? it's before your time maybe (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah our full race recap as well so in our next episode we're going to be talking about the things that annoy us as runners (laughs) so if you if you are liking our podcast series then please follow us on your preferred platform and give us five stars it'd be much (laughs) muchly appreciated muchly muchly exactly (laughs) Uh, and if you have got any questions about um, Valencia or how to kind of organize doing races abroad, then just feel free to get in touch uh, with any questions or anything. Be happy to answer them. Yeah, you can find our Instagram handles. Mine's at Rachel underscore ultra runner. And I'm <laughs> the running monk. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>